Hey, sisters, welcome to this episode of the Period Whisperer podcast. And I'm going to call this a really unique and special episode. This is an episode where I am going to share specifically with you my own story of my hormonal crisis. I always find that hearing other people's stories, the whole process can really help me identify with what I'm going through, you know, what's relevant to me, and sometimes to be feel really seen in a moment. Um, I hope that this episode does that for you. It gives you some insight into what is happening in your body, into what is happening in your life, and and why it's so important to better understand this time in our body and what we can do about it and why we want to. Um, Because it was such a life-changing event for me to go through this crisis and certainly very frustrating. So everything that you are going through from excess weight gain to exhaustion and depletion to feeling like you're aging before your eyes to feeling like you're just so stuck, Um, digestive issues, you know, anything you can imagine it all can come down to this piece. And this is my story. I had a great opportunity to be on a self-love podcast from a dear friend of mine, Jenny Drake. And she interviewed me talking a bit about, you know, what happens in life when we are struggling with self-love. And this is a lot of where my hormone crisis brought me to. So I wanted to share my real, raw, vulnerable truth with you. Um, It's always hard to do this. So it's time to get real. It's time to get closer. We are 31 episodes in now in this relationship, and I thought it was time for me to bear it all. So here it is. Grab a pen and paper if you want, or grab your tea, or grab your coffee, or your kombucha, or whatever it is that you're liking. Just make sure if you're having coffee, it's your one coffee a day, and that you're having it with food or after a meal, because <laughs> we don't want to stress those hormones out anymore, right? All right. I'm ready. Are you? Let's dive in. What's up, sisters? Welcome to the Period Whisperer podcast. I'm Bria. I'm your host. If you're new, I'm so happy you are here. I'm your perimenopause and menopause sister, your holistic trainer, hormone specialist, translator of your female body. I'm a recovering people pleaser and hustle addict turned body whisperer and hormone decoder. And I am here to help you de-stress your body, decode what it is saying, become the CEO of it, and own your own health, energy, and weight loss again. This show is for you, the overwhelmed, overworked, underappreciated step woman who dreams of a body they feel strong, energetic, and sane in. The woman who knows that she shouldn't just wave the white aging flag and believe believes in a body and life of peace, love, and purpose, but you don't just know how to get there yet. So if you are stuck in your body, your energy, your life, you are in the right spot. Let's lean in and learn what our bodies are saying to us. All right, welcome back. So as you know, I have somebody so amazing um, on the podcast today, and we are going to dive right in with the amazing Bria. Bria, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, Jen. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy to have this time with you. I always feel like my heart is happy when we connect. I agree. I agree. And so in the intro, I talked about how 
um, you know, I was going through some body hormonal stuff. And even though you and I had not been in, um, you know, direct contact with each other, I had been watching your progress and your posting and your evolution. And I knew when I was going back to or when I was, you know, going through my body hormonal stuff and getting the runaround from doctors, I knew who to reach out to because you really have, you are a lot like me where your journey becomes your teaching. And mm-hmm. so tell us in, you know, in to, to kick us off, tell us who Bria is right now. Um, what you're doing now, kind of what life is for you in the present moment. <laughs> okay. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really happy to be here. And I just I love what you said there about how we try to teach from our, I guess, our experience. I heard someone say once, if you really want to make a difference, heal yourself and share that knowledge with others. And it's just, it's always resonated with me. So I'm so grateful that you're here doing your work. And I'm, I'm so happy to be here doing my work. Um, I So right now in life, I am a mom of two. I have a daughter who's almost 14 and a son who's about to turn 11. Um, I am a, a Canadian, but I'm also American now. I live in the U.S., in Phoenix, in the Phoenix area, but um, Canada is is my heart for sure. And I am a holistic health coach that specializes both in specializes in female hormones. So specifically, this premenopause and postmenopause time in our lives as women, um, and how to you know get your body feeling amazing, how to allow it get it back to a place where it releases weight to maximize energy, um, and just reduce the suffering that I think a lot of women go through in this time. That is, I mean, it it's <laughs> it's divine that we're connected because. In one month, I hit the big five zero. So I love that. And I've been hormonal like my whole entire life. So, you know, I always, I, when I got my period, you know, and for the last decades of me having my period, both of my pregnancies were very hormonal. So I was fully prepared to have a lot of hormonal surges and all of the symptoms um, during menopause. And that's kind of why I reached out to you. So, you know, it's totally divine that we're having this conversation. Um, So tell me, you know, this is a self-love podcast and I know you've gone through a journey we all have of finding your truth, reconnecting to your authenticity and doing it from a place of love, compassion, and acceptance for yourself. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about when there was a time where you were disconnected from your truth, when your self-love was low, maybe low Mm self-worth, And what that time was like and how you've kind of gotten from there to here. Yes, (laughs) I definitely have a story there. I mean, I think so many of us do, right? When you think, when I think about this term self-love and self-worth, I mean, I don't think that, I think in order to really love yourself, you have to have worth. And in order to have worth, you have to know yourself, right? We have to, that's for that authenticity, what you said, I think reconnecting to authenticity. and. 
for me, and I think for most women, that's a really difficult thing when we've spent our lives being told to look outside of us for recognition, look outside of us for approval, look outside of us, you know, like be quiet and obedient and, you know, do the right thing as opposed to looking in and recognizing what is right inside of us. Um, so I, I told you as we were hopping on how emotional I feel, like even just saying that out loud feels so emotional to me because it was, you know, I feel like my reckoning, we'll call it, started to happen around 35, 36, which is ironic or not that ironic because that is the time when we reach the beginnings of perimenopause. Um, and I, I call this time sort of a reckoning for all women. Um, but I spent, you know, I was at that time at 35, I had been married for, oh, geez, like 12 years. And I spent a lot of my marriage in a heterosexual marriage um, doing three things. One, being completely codependent, like sacrificing anything to make this person happy because I thought that that happiness would then make me happy. It would make my life easier because I made this decision to marry this person who's a good person. Um, and you know, but that's a big sacrifice. And the second thing was fitting myself around everyone. And this I see women do all the time. It's like, and for, you know, a decade, even before I got into hormones, I, I preached to women all the time, like just wake up earlier and carve out time for yourself around people. And that makes me really sad, even when I think about promoting that, because it's literally like, you don't deserve time in the bulk of your day. So carve out time, excuse me, this is emotional, you know, when you should be sleeping, when you should be resting, when you should be, you know, just enjoying moments to like to finally steal time for yourself because you don't deserve it when everyone else gets, has to have all of you, which is just so messed up, you know, but it really, you can kind of tie it back to that piece of like, well, let's just keep everything nice and copacetic for everyone else. Let's not ruffle feathers, right? And let and, me squeeze myself into everybody. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to, I, fuck, that hit yeah. me so hard when you said that because we're still doing that. We're still, you know, and I see it. I see it in my clients. And I, and I now that I have kind of gone into my reckoning and accepted it and recognized it, the hard part is, is not just recognizing it, but then it's letting go of the guilt and shame that comes along with choosing differently. Um, and it's a lot. It's a lot, you know, and like you can't just not feel guilty about something. You can't just not have shame over something that you have literally been trained and educated into your entire life like it is it is built into our central nervous system now to feel badly putting ourselves first so i spent a lot of my marriage doing doing that you know just carving out my time to, which inevitably leads into a burnout you know right around the time of this reckoning is when that kind of ha peaks and happens for most women um cuz i think we hit a point where like i just i can't like i just can't and this is why there's i think so many significant changes or illnesses start to happen around this age of 40, right, for us. And I spent, you know, all those years also looking outside of myself, again, to feel, to figure out what was wrong with me. I'm like, why am I not happy? 
I should be happy. You know, I, you know, I should, I don't deserve to be unhappy because, you know, no one's allowed to have those emotions, but. Well, and you had the husband, you had the business, you had the children, everything that society tells us is success you had, and yet you weren't feeling it. And, and again, that's another source of guilt because It's like, that's what we do as women and as humans of like, I'm not feeling 100% happy or complete, but I have the, the, you know, I have the recipe for it, but I don't feel it. So therefore I'm bad. I should feel guilty about that. I was hashtag blessed, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm hashtag blessed. Like, look at my perfect family and my perfect life and my perfect business and my, you know, my perfect, you know, fitness routine. And, but I was, and I kept thinking like one of these days it's going to click and I'm going to be happy, but that's just not what happens. Happiness (laughs) is not an outside job. It's an inside job. And for me, I think what was harder was that I I did know that I just didn't know how to get in, you know, because no one teaches us how to get in. Except for you and I. Yeah. That's my whole mission. That's that's my work. That's my coaching is everything I do is to turn you and the listener and anyone back to themselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, I, were so not yeah. taught, we were not taught. Right. We were not taught that people aren't teaching that, you know, you might get lucky with a really good therapist that can get there for you, but you know, it's, I'm grateful for your work and mine and, and the women who are out there now normalizing this work because it's just, you know, it's just hasn't been normalized and we don't know how to do it. And so now here we are raising kids again and raising young women in environments where we don't even know how to turn in, you know, how to tune in. And so we're just making photocopies of photocopies here. And it's, um, it's, it's sad. (laughs) But we're changing that. And I do have hope because my daughter's 24. And I just had a conversation with her yesterday, where she had gone through a situation over the weekend. And it was now Wednesday and she was calling to talk to me about it, which is huge progress because she didn't even contact me during the situation. And the way that she went through it was so healthy and so self-aware and so self-compassionate. And I literally was like, she gets it at 24 when I didn't get it until 38 or 48. Yeah, so there is hope. Our there work is. and the work that we've learned from it, it is trickling down. They're going to get it sooner than we did. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm so grateful to hear that because you know eventually it will be you know a normal thing. They say it takes I think seven generations for change. So gosh, help the women that came before us. I feel for them seriously, but. Um, So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, even when I was young, I look back and I think I was, you know, bless my, my mom and how wonderful she is. But, you know, anytime I was sad or angry, it was distracted. It was like, oh, let's not feel that. Let's go over here. So I didn't know myself from Adam. Like I did not know anything about who I am. I looked to identify in other people. And ironically, I can look back now and see how I was always really drawn to very strong women, ones who had a voice 
Um, I always, my best friends were always someone who really was much better at that than me. Cause I always felt choked. Like I couldn't. And even to this day, when I have anxiety, when I'm in an uncomfortable position, uh, that is what I feel is like hands around my neck. And that's when I know I'm being triggered back to, you know, this inner child piece that's feels like she doesn't have a voice and isn't allowed to have one. So all that to say, yeah, I spent I spent my that, you know, that marriage doing a lot of those things. And then, of course, COVID hit, which, you know, for many, many people, but definitely for me, ex- exacerbated the problem sort of in in two ways. One, all of my escapism, all of my my self-soothing, all of my ability to like, you know, I had a, my ex-husband traveled a lot for work. So that gave me a lot of relief around having to deal be, you know, in a marriage that wasn't right for me. Um and, and it gave me a lot of freedom to just be, you know, who I am a lot of the time alone, which is what I needed so Taking much, but I mask I'm, off. You, you were able yeah. to take the mask off. Oh, that is nailed it. I was able to take the mask off, which I could not take off. And now all of a sudden he was there and my kids were there a hundred percent of the time. Um, I couldn't travel to see my family who lived back in Canada. I couldn't see any of my friends, you know, all of these things that I did to what I like to call rupture or release out um, or self-soothe or escape I was were taken away from me. And, you know, it, in some ways, I think that's a real blessing because like people choose to numb and we numb these edges, right? I hear people are like, well, I just need to soothe out the rough edges. I'm gonna have this glass of wine and I do it too. But if if you never feel the edges, you're never uncomfortable enough to change. Oh my gosh. You're so speaking to me right now because it's been 90 days that I've taken off my biggest numbing mechanism. And I wasn't ready before 90 days ago. And well, it's actually 88 days, but on Saturday, it'll be 90. And um, the I have grown and healed and felt more in the last 90 days than than I can remember. And so, yeah, you're totally speaking to, to exactly where I'm at right now. It's been you have to feel it. I know it's so cliche, but you have to feel it to heal it. And if we don't allow ourselves to feel it, we're not going to move through to the other side. And so COVID, you said it, COVID provided this for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we can't forget, we are exceptional at not even recognizing that we're numbing. Like we have just become so talented as women at not even realizing were unhappy. Like I didn't even know how I had no concept of how unhappy I was. And then COVID put this big fat magnifying glass on it. And I just began to crack. So it was like, you know, not only was I unable to self-soothe, to escape, to take the mask off, but everything was, the problem was then compounded, right? Because it was always there in front of my face. And I, you know, my body began to respond because all of me trying to hold everything in and you can't see me because this is a podcast, but I literally feel like I'm, you know, plugging whole leaking holes around my body and my body, which I had, you know, was, I always felt was very, very healthy. You know, I worked out every day. I ate really well. Like I had obviously my own little vices, but they were in check and in balance started to crack. And for me, that looked like I spent, 
you know, an entire summer where like I had bloating and digestive issues, which I'd never had before. Never. I'd always been super regular. You know, I was so exhausted that I would, if I didn't have a nap in the afternoon, I would fall asleep at seven o'clock at night on the couch, which, you know, it's just so sad when I think about it. Like I would be sitting with my kids and my ex-husband and they'd be like, wake up, we're trying to watch something together. And I like could not keep my eyes open. And you know, it was just such a depressing time when I go back there. I stopped really reaching out to my friends. I stopped talking to people. Um, and it just kind of isolated myself because I I felt physically ill. My period started getting wonky. I stopped being able to sleep well, which was a big, huge indicator for me. And I started like having these breakouts of, on my skin. Mm-hmm. You know, not even in my face, but every almost everywhere else in my body. Like I was just, you know falling apart. And I, I knew that was at the end of 20, the summer of 2020 when it got really bad. And I was like, you know, I I was waking up to caffeine and going to bed with wine because it was the only thing that I could kind of, you know, but I just was watching myself and I was so unhappy and I couldn't hold those little holes of leaks anymore. You were just trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like to me, like, So the pandemic, the lockdown, the quarantining really put you in hyperspeed of it's time to take a look at the deeper issues. Yeah. And if you're not going to listen to these small promptings, your body is going to scream out to you. Right. And that is what happens to every woman, every woman, I think, you know, is that if you are not listening to what is happening inside of you, if you're not listening, if you're not dealing with, you're not managing, if you're not addressing, and, you know, sometimes it's a fully physical thing and sometimes it's not, it's an emotional thing that turns into that. When we reach this period of reckoning at, you know, as they say, you hit 35 and that is when we are like clinically in perimenopause or premenopause. Because what happens is our, you know, just like in puberty, our hormones just don't, they're not regulated as quickly. So, or as smoothly. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, to try to, without diving too far into this, basically our key sex hormones as women, estrogen and progesterone are symbiotic, which means that when they're in balance, they work really well. But when they're out of balance, there's not only is not enough of one, but then there's too much of the other. And what creates a greater divide in there is any stress or inflammation in the body. So this is what happens when we, and we reach this age and not, and we just become less tolerant because we're now uncomfortable with what we're going on, you know, physically uncomfortable Our we've ignored our body so long. Also estrogen is really like rose colored glasses. So when it's out of whack, all of a sudden our ability to be like, it's okay. It's okay. Yes, I'll do it. I'll take on more. I'll do just stops. (laughs) It gets really wiggity, you know, where like, this is why people can feel like one person half the month and another person, the other half of the month, like, and, and it's, everything's exacerbated and it becomes this really tough compound effect. And and at around 40 or 35 to 55, at some point in there, most women reach a point where they're like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I can't. And that's why this is, and I hope people start to recognize this earlier as we teach them, as we teach these young women to look inside. Hopefully they just don't reach this point. 
or at least they are more aware of it happening and coming. So it's not so confusing because I think a lot of women, and I was one of these, I was like, oh, I guess like either I'm sick and dying with cancer because this is just, you know, or MS or I don't know what else I Googled, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm a fitness trainer and holistic health coach. And this is what I'm thinking of myself, you know, or this is menopause is what I'm thinking. So I want to pause for a minute because, Mm -hmm. you know, I always say like we're spiritual beings having a human existence and it's our mind that wants to identify, right? Like, and the easiest place for our mind to go to is our body. I did the same thing. And I still ask my clients, anybody who reaches out to me with struggles, one of the first things I say is, where are you in your cycle? Where are you in your hormonal cycle? Because it was years ago that I just printed out a blank calendar because I was so feeling like highs, lows, and I wanted data. Like I would, I would color in my really hard days with the red crayon. And then Mm -hmm. I would color in my, I call them walking on sunshine days with a green Mm -hmm. crayon. And then the days where I was just like mediocre were yellow. And I did that for like six months to see, oh my gosh, like it's it's not my period. It's 10 days before my period when I was having super low energy, super low emotional state. And like mine manifests in the way of like the skies falling, (laughs) like, you know, one day I'll be like, I can, everything's great. And then the next day, nothing is great. And the sky is falling and my world is falling apart. And so when I was able to track that over a significant amount of time, it showed me exactly what my hormonal cycle was, which was very different that Mm -hmm. everyone's different. Mine was very different from what I thought or predicted. I thought, you know, a couple of days before my period, I was, I'd get a little irritable. No. And then I noticed like right after my period, I would have these like days where everything was sparkly and like, I could, you know, go out and like write a best-selling book, you know? Um, so I think it's really, and my, all of my work is like mind, body, and heart connecting back to our soul. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you're talking about is your mind, our mind tries to solve it because it's Mm -hmm. the solver. And then our body is the informant. It's, it's telling us what our soul is longing to longing to say. Yeah. How did you, so, okay, so here you are in the pandemic, you've got all these physical symptoms, you're starting to realize, oh crap, I think this is a lot deeper. So tell us from that journey on. Yeah. So I went to my doctor and I said, like, (laughs) who's amazing. I'm like, I think I'm in, in menopause. They didn't know much about it, to be honest. And she did all my tests, all my blood work and was like, not, I mean, ask me questions. She's like, you're the picture of health, which was honestly ferociously depressing because when I left, I was like, if this is the best that I'm going to feel at 37, like, 
I just don't know. Like I can't, you know, I cannot because I was healthier and or actively healthier doing the healthy things, quote unquote, more than anyone else. I'm like just as much as anyone else I could ever meet, you know? So it was very depressing. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready to raise my white flag here. I've got to figure this out because I can, I cannot keep living like this. Like I was just sinking and sinking. And so after that, I spent about four months learning, educating myself, you know, really healing my body um, through a process of reducing the stress in my body and, you know, making very different changes, really re-examining my habits. Um, and I talk about this on my podcast. I talk about this, you know, in, on my Instagram. So to, Which we to- will totally link yeah. everything to your podcast. You know, if you want to get to know Bria more, stay tuned. We're going to yeah. talk about it at the end and it will be in the show notes. And so, but so I, I went through a period of healing and, you know, the beautiful part of that, that I always want to remind women and what happened for me is that just like when you have a really tantruming child, like there's always a bigger issue. So when you cannot get to the bigger issue until you calm the tantrum, once the tantrum has been calmed, then we can actually hear what the child is saying to us, what the real issue is, what the real need is. And that was, was, is what happens to many women's bodies, but was definitely what was happening to me. I had to calm all of that and bring my body back to a place of at least where it could exhale, right? So that I could finally hear the things that it was saying because I was trying so hard like we said to to find figure out like what was wrong with me why am I not happy and all of a sudden my physical body started rebelling and so it was in February well January of 2021 when you know I was I honestly started feeling like my physically started feeling so good for the first time in years, I felt relief, my body and my body just kind of released weight, it released, and I was working out less than I ever had, I was sleeping more than I ever had, like I was really moving into a very calm place. And, and as a result, my business, I was able to help women more um, than I ever had in so long. So things were really starting to click. And it was from that place of calm, from that place of peace that I still felt that niggle of like, I am not happy. I am living a life that is not for me. And out of nowhere, you know, I connected with a woman who I just fell in love with. And I realized that a huge piece I had been missing my whole life was that I was gay. <laughs> and I I didn't even know it because I had spent so many years looking outside of myself, so many years trying to fit myself into other people's lives, so many years trying to not ruffle feathers. And so it was this whole other next phase of reckoning for me where I had to come to terms not only with the bravery of coming out, but deciding that I was more important than this life that I had built for my children, that my happiness mattered that much. And it was, it was hard. I literally, for then for the following year, I just burned down my, it's like, it's like I took a sledgehammer to my life so that I could rise from those ashes again. And it is, it was, by far the hardest thing 
and yet most beautiful thing I have ever done in my life. <sighs> and wow. uh, I think can we, still... for, can we pause for one sec? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No. I want to pause and say thank you so much for going there and sharing your story so um, vulnerably, so emotionally with such an open heart because your story like resonates with everyone on some level where we live our lives externally for our belief system. And then one day I feel like Every one of us has to turn to ourselves and say, is this my truth? Mm -hmm. And um, so thank you for sharing the journey of you doing that. Um, And I just, I, mine, I, I can relate so much and I know everybody listening can because mine wasn't my sexuality. It, I was doing the exact same thing in an organized religion. It's this very same thing that led me to a marriage that was not aligned with my soul. And same with you. And when you just, and this is why I wanted to pause when you just said it was the hardest thing ever to do, but the most beautiful, I, I want to just sit in that for a second because we've been taught to live for everyone else. And to be, to look a certain way and to act a certain way, it is so uncomfortable burning it down to ashes, but it is the greatest thing. So Mm -hmm. haven't you felt, yes, it was painful. I'm sure breaking up your family, being a mother with your children, but you, it's like, it's like they say, like you finally loved yourself more than anything else. Yeah. And hasn't connecting back to yourself and loving yourself now, things are working out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I am. Yeah. I mean, I finally can see, and I just, ha- I have to just I have to say this piece because it still, you know, in my growth uh, after all of this, as I continue, um, I think what has what still continues to shock me about how much I, you know, how much in a box I was as a woman is that it was easier for me to sit down, you know, my husband of 14 years and say to him, I think I'm gay, than it was for me to look him in the face and say, I am so unhappy, mm. you know? And that is just a shock. Like that was the path that I I chose, you know, they were, and they were both true. Like, that's the thing I was, I like, this was the piece that brought it all together for me that somehow turned my world from black and white to color so that it became like worth it, I guess, or became, gave me enough bravery to say, this is not right. And there's no such thing as one-way liberation. So I just held on tightly to the fact that by liberating myself, I was liberating him. I was liberating my children. Right. But that shocks me still to this day that, and this is what we do. So many of us, it is easier for us to fit ourselves around, to find, you know, it was easier for me to be like, oh, it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. I'm just gay. (laughs) You know, than it was for me to be like, I am so unhappy. I am drowning in this marriage, you know? And, um, 
So I don't remember your question. I'm sorry, but I had no, to get no, that. No, that's, uh, no, but, and so this was, let's see, we're in um, September. So it's been about a year and a half. And yeah. I'm, just, I'm just like paralleling my story of when I exited my marriage and my organized religion. And it's been five years of me. I've done a lot of shit. But I and I have no regrets over these five years because it's gotten me to this point. And you're like a year and a half out. And Mm -hmm. so you're in the middle. And I'm not saying like my journey isn't, you know, I'm still on that path. But like you're fresh out of it. And so you're like discovering yourself all over again the the rebuilding and the reconnection and the it's just it's such an exciting time and as a self-love coach like I just want to remind you and every anyone going through this as myself we have to have so much grace and compassion for ourselves because we are literally rebuilding from what you said as ashes and we're going to, and we're reconnecting to our inner child and our inner teen and, and all of these parts of us are valid and we're going to do things that like the outside world or, you know, our inner critic might be like, what the hell are you doing? But do it anyway. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Shocking. That's what, yeah, that's what gets us to find out all the parts of ourselves, who we are and, and who our authentic being is. So I just, I wanted to say like, have grace for yourself, have compassion for yourself during this time, because it's a hell of a fun ride to re, to re-identify, to reconnect yourself. It's, it, it, you're right. I love that. You know what? And we should make it fun because there is definitely a moment in all this where I have had to kind of re-examine my, right? We re-examine our identity and what we have made our identity. And for me, I had made the nice girl, the polite girl, the looks perfect on the outside girl, my identity. And, And it's now I'm kind of like, sometimes I walk down the street and I'm like, what if I just don't wave at that stranger? What if I just don't even smile at them? What if, what if I just don't, feel like being very extra nice today. What if I just don't, what does that mean? What if I don't feel like doing this? And the, and these are the moments where it's like, you realize like, well, maybe I like that better. You know, maybe it's okay that I'm just like, eh, someone asks you how you are and you're like, eh, pretty shit to be honest, but like, (laughs) I'll be fine. You know, it'll be okay. Yeah. And, and what you're really saying is what is my truth in this moment? What is my truth in this moment? Because our truth can be one day, you know, seven hours earlier, you might've wanted to wave at that stranger. And that could have been your truth in that moment. And, and really like my first pillar of self-love is that self-awareness, which is followed right behind self-acceptance of what is my truth in this moment? That is our only job. Our Mm -hmm. only job is not to manage, control, and force anything. It's just Mm -hmm. to show up in our truth in that moment and having the acceptance that that truth can change at Mm -hmm. any time. Yeah. 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 That's a, and and you know, and I'm allowed. I can change my mind. Heck yeah. That is my prerogative. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So when you, so you left your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I have, you know, and I have, uh, like I said, I, it was, and I fell in love with a woman and, she, you know, I always say to people falling in love with her has been like, it's like I was playing, playing in puddles before and now I'm in an ocean. Like, wow. it's like, a, you know, it's that significant and how I went 39 years without knowing that. I mean, part of me wants to say is beyond me, but no, I know why. I know it's because I spent my entire life being taught, being told, and following the rules of being a good girl who wasn't allowed to feel her feelings. Like, and eventually well, and my body was like, oh. and it's important to say, like, it's not her that makes you feel like you're in an ocean now. It's you connecting to your truth. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, and this is kind of put you on the spot, but like after you came into acceptance that I'm gay mm-hmm. and you had, did, was there a part of you that felt that relief of I'm now reconnected to a part that I have, I have, you know, suppressed for so long? Was it, was it a surprise to you that you were gay or was it like, Oh yeah, this may, this, yes, this is right. I mean, I think it was all of those things. Like I, I'm a real girl's girl, like, but I've never been attracted to any of my friends. Like I've never had the, you know, like I can look back and recognize in things, you know, where maybe an admiration was more of a crush than an admiration on someone, but you know, Like, I think in many ways, there's a real normalization of like, not of women not wanting to have sex with their husbands, you know, there's a real normalization of it being a chore of, you know, not being very sexual after you have kids, like just not being very, you know, and so I have had had to kind of re-examine that. And of course, once I got into the physical part of this relationship, yeah, this whole thing blew my mind. I was like, whoa, like this makes way more sense. Yeah. Like I'm connecting to like my, the way I felt like a teenage boy and I still do to this day. I'm like, this is what I've been missing. Like, this is what I've been supposed to be feeling. I I love that. Oh my gosh. I am like so sex positive now. (laughs) I I have a whole podcast about like reconnecting to your sexuality because mine I was very connected to my sexuality before my marriage and before my religion. And then I completely put it into a box, tight, a tight box in the closet on the farthest shelf in the dark. And same, like when I exited out of my marriage and stepped out of the religion, I was like, who am I sexually? And I feel like what I've come to terms with, and this is my belief and I'm not saying anyone else has to believe it, but we are all on that sexual spectrum and where we lie is where we lie. And that, and that, you know, that's unique to us just as like our DNA. Um, so, so it totally makes sense to me that you were like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling things that, you know, I've never felt before. Cause I definitely had that as well. Um, when I exited out and started finding myself sexually as well. It's what, and I mean, I will say like coming from the hormonal, you know, perspective, 
when you rebalance your hormones, you create an environment more for your libido to come back. So there is that piece that happens to women. So, so I was in a great place, but it was like, all of a sudden, it's like, I just, you know, I felt so much more comfortable in my body as well. It's like I was in a place where I could then step into this part of myself. Like I've always felt uncomfortable around men my whole life. You know, they always want something like it's always how it you know feels to me. They always, you know, have an ulterior motive and it's very uncomfortable. And this is the first time in my life or the first time I've been with someone where I'm like so happy to walk around naked, to sleep naked, to be naked, to just feel really good in my body. And, you know, which like I I have worked out pretty avidly and been like, I feel really like physically I'm, I'm proud of my body, but I didn't feel good in it until, until I realized this, until I accepted this. I, and anytime a man ever commented on me or, or gave me a, um, uh, like a compliment, like it always made me want to shrink. And mm. it's the first time like meeting, you know, meeting this woman who makes me smile. <laughs> like, it's like, I finally can hear what she says because mm-hmm. I feel, and it's cause I see, I see me now. And so because I see me, other people can see me. Oh my gosh. Amen, sister. Amen. And um, yeah, I mean that when we love ourselves, when we love and accept ourselves, we are now fully able to love and accept others and be able to receive love and acceptance. There and you just, yeah. you just beautifully, beautifully said that. Um, mm-hmm. I do love to walk around naked. I do feel very comfortable in my skin. Um, and I, I'm proud of it. As a matter of fact, it was a huge self-love win for me. I just went to Tahoe last week and I posted all over social media, like me in a in a in a bikini, and but not, you know, not to not for anyone else. I did it for myself. I made my Facebook profile picture me in a bikini because I was like, I'm that comfortable in my skin and I don't care what anybody else thinks. I think that that tell me, cause I know you're, you know, really focusing on like stages of life, but do you feel like there are decades in our life? Like our thirties are more, I was more self-conscious, keep up with the Joneses. I have to look this way. My forties are really where I started like, screw that. I'm going to be good with me. Do you think that that's part of our evolution as a woman in our bodies with hormones that we, that is like our process of going through, like being more comfortable in our skin? I, I do, but I think that is because we don't pay attention until we're so intolerant of it anymore. So what I feel like, you know, when you talk about even tracking your own hormones, like you said, with the red and the yellow and green, which I think is brilliant, everybody should do that. You know, it reminds me that women and our hormone rhythms is it's almost like the greatest 
story of the ugly duckling. We have been told we are ducks, 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 ducks. And so we're uncomfortable ducks, you know, like, oh, I'm hormonal. Oh, this is my PMS. Oh, my period. Like we think of it so negatively. Really, we're these beautiful swans. And when you learn at puberty, like if we could teach our girls at puberty, the beauty of this rhythm, the cadence of this rhythm and how to work with it instead of against it, because we're not a damn duck, we're a swan. (laughs) Then we could, then all of this could happen earlier. You know, I just, I think, I think in our history and our generation, this is happening at 35 to 55, because that is the point when our, our physical being stops being tolerant of how we have been treating it incorrectly. It's like, I've headed up to here, not doing it, period. And yeah. just, you know, and then we have to, like you were talking about the brain and the brain and the body. I loved how you said that. I look at it like the brain is the CEO. Like it's the one that's very strategic and the body's the operator, the COO. And they have to work together. They're both C-level people. Like they need to connect. But the body at some point is like, I've had enough of your evil dictatorship. You take what everyone else in the world says and you tell me what to do, how to be, who to look and all this. And you're not paying attention. And good leaders ask great questions, you know? So it's like, let's ask our body these questions. Yes. Let's to those answers yes more deeply and be a team and and when you said like you kind of, I kind of got a little triggered when you pointed out that there are so many women out there that are like oh yeah like it's almost like a badge of honor that they don't want to have sex with their with their partners like mm-hmm. oh yeah we don't do that like and mm-hmm. and I'm like why why like uh-huh. why is that okay you know um, if your sexual health is out of alignment, are you looking at why instead yeah. of just like rolling over and saying, well, we don't do that. The good days are over. And mm-hmm. I hear so many women say that. And I think the whole message is, is like, start being curious, yeah. listening to our bodies, listening mm-hmm. to our emotions, listening to our hormonal cycles and being curious of what, why? And how can I live and, you know, in the most, you know, um, fulfilling way possible? And, mm-hmm. and yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I have to say one thing on that, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. so important on the sexual health piece is like, so the, the biggest problem that's irritating our hormone imbalance right now is like, is cortisol and elevated stress. Right. And there's only two ways that we can actively reduce that, you know, where our body is con one is sleep. When we sleep, it works away at reducing the cortisol and the other is pleasure. And we are starved for pleasure. And sometimes, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, I'll ask clients, you know, what are you doing just for you? That makes you happy. And most of the time people are like, Oh, well, I went on a bike ride with my kids. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Talking about. But you know, Often we think we even we try to put pleasure into our lives and we cannot receive it because there's too many other things there. So we almost we have to what they call rupture, um, which I just think is a beautiful term. We have to like let out the bad so that there's room for more pleasure. And orgasming is like the perfect gift of rupture and pleasure all wrapped into one. So why it is not considered such a significant part, even if it's just you, you don't need anyone else to do it. Like go and take care of that because you will not only release, but you will fill up at the same time. And that is a critical part of us 
lowering the stress in our body that is constantly coming at us like a tidal wave. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. No pun intended. Um, but no, I always say like my belief system is exercise, nutrition, sleep, and sex. Yeah. Those are the four components of my physical well-being. Seriously. Like and that. because I for decades thought I was not capable of having an orgasm. Oh, and I, and I've talked about this on my podcast. I have a whole episode just about orgasms. I did not think that I was worthy of having an orgasm because my sexuality was linked to obedience through a religious context. Mm -hmm. And so orgasms, masturbation, all of that was naughty unless it was in the right way. And because part of my, one of the big reasons I stepped out of organized religion is that whole right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I was so wrapped up in the right my body could not be relaxed enough to have an orgasm. There. So once I, once I delve into the whole self-love journey of I am worthy of everything, God created this, my creator, my higher power created this, I'm worthy of it, transformative. Yeah. And I've come to realize like... My sexual health is a huge part of my physical, but tying it back to the hormone piece, there are times when, you know, I'm feeling good and there's times when I'm feeling low libido and that's part of it. And we don't yeah. have to shame ourselves. We don't have no. to criticize ourselves. We just have to be curious about it and to ask the right questions and to get the right help, which brings it right back to you because this is all you talk about in your social media. Yeah. So to, to, to kind of wind things up, cause I know you and I could talk for hours. For hours. hours. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about what you are doing now differently, like, and, and speak to the listeners and I have male and female listeners, but think, speak to the listeners who are like, Oh my gosh, I am feeling that low energy, my body, I'm feeling the symptoms. What do I do now? So what do two, two part question. What does Bria do now to keep her self-love, hormonal, physical, emotional in balance? Yeah. That's like your key things. I call them like self-love rituals. Um, and what advice do you have? For those listeners who are like, shit, I'm right there. Like, yeah. my doctor isn't giving me much support. What do I do? I love it. Okay, awesome. Thank you. So what I do, and I think it's really important to, to you know, preface the fact that like, I still have periods where I go through times like and recognize that, oh, I'm, I'm getting it too far out of whack. Like life is getting too far in the way. And for me, it usually starts with, 
you know, I'm not sleeping well through the night all of a sudden, or my energy really drops in the afternoon. These are my beginning signs, no matter when I'm in my cycle. Um, so for me, I always go back. I love that you said you have four things. I have four health pillars too. They're pretty much the same, ironically, but it's like rest, movement, nutrition, and um, and pleasure. So I, I come back to these pieces and I'm like, okay, let's make it, I think of it like a table, right? If you, if you have a table with four legs, and all the legs are, are rickety, like it's going to be a terrible dining experience. The food's going to fall over if one of them especially is out the window, right? So first we need to get back and really tighten those legs. These are our foundations of, of health for our hormones. Once we have the foundation strong, we can build on all of this in our life. But it's like, let's dig in. And I've done the work now, and this is the work I do with my clients, you know, um, is like, okay, let's dig into these individual pillars because they're different. You know, what happens in your sleep, what brings goodness, what brings you pleasure, these things are different. What's getting in the way of them, whether it's mindset or lifestyle, they're different for everyone. But when these suckers are locked into place, you know, you know it because then everything starts to be more smooth and you can be like, okay, what am I ready to tackle on in my life now? You know, everything should be running pretty smoothly at that point in time. So I do, I check in on my sleep. I, 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 I check in on my nutrition, make sure like I'm having three meals a day, you know, are they balanced meals? Like, are they full of inflammatory foods? Like I cut back on my alcohol. I cut back on my caffeine. I never have caffeine on an empty stomach. So I just kind of come back to my basic routine of like, wake up, you know, walk, cause that brings me joy, have some greens and, and start my day. But I always come back to those four key pillars. That's nice. what I mean. Yeah. Nice. And so my advice for others is to do the same. You know, these are your, you've heard them from Jen, you've heard them from me. They really are our four pillars of health. And when I say movement, I really think it's important that people take fitness out of it. Like if you eventually, if you want to have like abs or run a marathon or whatever, that is fitness. You can do it. You can't do it. If you're, if your four pillars are imbalanced, it won't happen. You'll gain weight and you'll feel like junk. So let's make sure movement releases stress in the body. It doesn't add stress to the body. So are you walking every day? Are you doing yoga? What are you doing that moves your body? Are you dancing to release the stress? I love um, that you said that because I just came off of four weeks. You know, I'm a runner. I'm not a runner for the exer like exercise and running for me is like the third benefit. Running mm -hmm. is like so spiritual for me, but I just mm -hmm. came off of four weeks where I could barely run and mm -hmm. thank good. I, every day I was grateful that I could still walk mm -hmm. and I was constantly in self-compassion mode because one of the things we do as women is we want to be at full cylinders 100% of the time. So we can, yeah. we compare ourselves to our best self. So mm -hmm. old Jen used to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not running five days this week. So I should feel bad about myself. Instead, I was like, thank goodness I could still walk because walking to me is what my body needs. So mm -hmm. giving ourselves that self-compassion, that grace that every day is going to look different, especially mm -hmm. when you're talking about our hormone cycles, there's going to be some days and some weeks where we do lift weights. And then there's going to be some weeks where we do 20 minutes of yoga. All of it is perfect and okay. Listen to your body. What's she saying? You know, and Fitness, but fitness specifically, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's a hard run, whether it's hard yeah. training or CrossFit, any of those anaerobic things that are actively stressing the body out, 
um, which is good if you're prepared to change, but if your body's not prepared to change, it's, it's worse. You know, all of those things should be done in joy. If it's not bringing you joy, which is why I love that you said it's spiritual for you. If it's not bringing you joy, do not do it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's connecting back to your soul. We should only be doing things that our soul connects with and that our soul is aligned with, not because of to-do lists or some coach told you to do it, which, you know, you and I, we both have been there. Uh, So I'm so glad you brought up that point. Ah, any, anything still on your heart and soul that you want to share? And then we'll talk about, we'll um, let our listeners know where to find you. No, you know, I, I, the only thing I, I had left, I remember when we were chatting before, we kind of talked about how, like, part of this time of reckoning that we all reached to is like, at some point, we have to choose in life. And I, it just gave me shivers when we talked about it. But at some point, we have to choose that we're going to just continue to live the lie and just suffer and disappear or choose differently. And I hope you choose differently. My hope for all the women. Take off that mask. Take off. Yeah, it's worth it. And you and I have both exited out of marriages and that's not necessarily what you need to do. It's not necessarily <laughs> not what, what you need at all. That we're not saying that our not be leaving a religion or cha- or recognizing a different sexuality, but exactly. just take off the mask and figure out what it is for you. Whatever your your truth is. And but really quick, let's talk about the kids because I get messages from women every at multiple times a week of, I know I'm not in the right marriage, but what do I do about my kids? So how are your kids, Bria? They're good. My kids are good. Yeah. They're thriving in school. You know, I have a teenager who is exactly what you'd expect a teenager to be, you know, right now. But they're good. They're healing. They're they're healing. You know what? That's a good way that, you know, they're healing. And laugh. We cry. We do things together. You, you know? have a relationship with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, you know, we're, they're with me half the time and their dad, who's been a great dad half the time, you know, they are loved. They Good. are loved. They Good. are healed. I, I just wanted to touch upon that. I, mm-hmm. I've been out, you know, of my marriage. I'm a little bit farther along in the healing journey and my kids are doing beautifully as well. And so mm-hmm. anybody who's listening Of course, this is not a pro-divorce, you know, push, but if you are staying because of the kids, only because of the kids and you know your truth, your kids are going to be okay. That's all I wanted to say. I think the one thing that really resonated with me, I think Glennon Doyle talks about it in her book, Untamed. She said, I was staying in this marriage for my kids, Mm -hmm. but would I want this marriage for my kids? And it's a really it's a really good point of reference for us who do things for others, but wouldn't want it for like kids do what we do and not what we say. So if you really want to be an example, you have to live your truth. So true. I remember the moment when my mind shifted to, I'm no longer going to model this type of love to my children. It's now time to flip the switch and model healing. 
And that was the day that I decided to file for divorce. Yeah, It's time. And from that moment on, my kids have seen healing on all fronts and within themselves. And so, yeah, that was, that was my truth. So, so important to know. And one last thing I always say when any of us who are parents is, and you just touched upon this, is we can't tell our children to love themselves. We have to show them us loving ourselves so that they will learn how to love themselves. We, it's not something we can tell them. We have to show them. Yeah. Okay, Bria, how do we find you? Where where are you? Okay. You can tune into my podcast called the period whisperer podcast. And it's on, you know, any of the Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your pods or come hang out with me on Instagram, Bria underscore period underscore whisperer. Um, I share a lot of tips and stuff in my reels there, you know, my link for how we can connect some of my freebies, how I can help you, how we can work together is all in there as well. Um, but just come and hang out and learn more about what your body is whispering to you. I love it. Yes. And all of that information will be put in the show notes. Thank you so much, Bria. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Period Whisperer podcast. I want to encourage you to reach out to me directly and message me if there are topics or things you're struggling with so we can address those right where you are at. And of course, if you loved this episode, if you learned something, make sure to share it with your friends and please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts.